listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Just like that, it is hour number two of Miller and Moulton on the first day of March. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Pat Kerwin's a busy guy this week. He's at the Combine in Indianapolis. Heck, he's already at the Combine, ready to work. That's how long his work days are this week. Pat joins us once again, courtesy of Pinchers, Tampa to Key West, a whole bunch of points in between. Pinchers, because you can't fake fresh. Man, they're working you this week. There's no hiding, and I thought I was going to have a nice leisurely morning do this show with you guys at 8 o'clock and kind of stroll over? No. Text message at 4 in the morning. You've got Will Anderson at 8 o'clock. So we have moved Pat, and Pat's moved his appearance to 7, so we thank you for that, Pat. Um, yes, just the combine this year, is it any – I mean, there's a lot of talk of it ending. Is there any any groundswell of support for this being a last combine? There's, there's a little speculation no. out there. They're not getting rid it's of this, a, are they? It's a great question. No, they're – there's a lot of pushback against this concept that we don't need it or it's inappropriate and there's all this other nonsense. No, most of the people are quite open about it's not going anywhere. And look, if you're in this business, you, you got to find, this is their job interview. How healthy are you? How mentally sharp are you? And how well do you move? So those are the reasons we're here and in that order. Uh, so it's not going anywhere. And Indianapolis does a great job. Came here in 87, and uh, there's been campaigns to move it. Nobody can guarantee the hospital service that we get here. And that's what you need. When you got to send a guy for an MRI, you want him over there, you want him back. And that's what happens in Indy. So it's not going anywhere. Pat, don't the agents basically now control this? Because the NFL wants to keep it. The NFL PA wants to get rid of it. Well, the, the guys that are in Indianapolis are not part of of the NFL PA yet. They haven't been drafted. So doesn't this come down to which way the agents go? If the agents want to keep going to the combine because they think that benefits their clients, then the combine's fine. But if the agents think, no, 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 my clients are better off if we just all do our individual pro days, all right, then in theory, that's how this thing ends, right? No, because the pro day doesn't come with a physical and – a comprehensive physical. Every team is involved in the physical here. They're going to take basically seven or eight physicals with groups of team doctors. So all 32 teams are going to examine these players. And the reason they started the combine was otherwise the players are going to fly around to 20 cities, maybe 32 cities for some guys. They can't do it. But and Pat, agents- I heard. But I heard that what might happen is that if the players just decide with the agents in their ear. No, 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 no. You come to me. I'm Bryce Young. Alabama's going to have a pro day on April 8th. You come there, bring all your people, do everything you need to do with me on April 8th. Um, there's a growing, more of a growing sentiment to stop going to the pro days, to tell you the truth. They're an illusion, and a lot of guys recognize how bad they are. This is not going where the agents are afraid they're going to lose their clients. Because the agent who says, hey, don't go, don't go. There's another agent saying, you hired that guy? You're not going to get drafted as high as you should. You better sign with me. So they'll be trading players off like crazy. I am more confident in the combine sustaining itself now than ever. And a little bit of barking by the union 
has caused people to step up and say, what are you talking about? And we're gonna, I'm gonna interview players all day for the next three days. They're all here. And most of them are working out, except for that five foot 10, 194 pound quarterback. Ah, Bryce Young. So did we get measurables? When will we get measurables on Bryce? I already know what they are. Five, ten and a half, one ninety-five. Yes! We had an over-under bet on his height, Pat. I went under 5'11". I yeah. thought he was just going to get to 5'11". All right. Well, uh, you know, they don't let you do it in shoes anymore. You got to do it barefoot. There you go. Uh, Derek <laughs> Carr is at the Combine, which David says screams desperation. I said I said it's convenient. He can interview every, everybody. can interview him. He can get this done. What do you make of Derek Carr having to be in Indianapolis this week? Um, well, I also think before he got here, somehow, somewhere, it leaked out that he would take $35 million. So I'll be back to your word of desperation. I don't believe that he said it, but someone said it for him. Um, why is he throwing a low ball number out when the world's paying 40-plus for everybody else? Um, I think he's going to get two or three offers, but I don't think he has an offer yet. Maybe that's desperation. So you think the Jets are holding out for the whale? Because if I'm the Jets, what would worry me is I overplay this hand and I end up settling for a quarterback that I have, you know, he's okay, but it's not really what I wanted. Well, if I were the Jets and I'm not anymore, I would have made my offer for $40 million while he was in my building and wrapped it up. Now he's in Carolina, and God only knows who he's going to talk to next. Um, the Jets aren't going to win that way. They, they win the battle for the player. If they're waiting for Rodgers, I don't even know if Rodgers wants to come here. But, you know, I, I worry a little bit about Carr in New York anyway. He's might not be emotionally built for this place. You know, New York's rough. I it, don't know how rough he is. Is Rodgers emotionally built for New York? Space Cadet, he just <laughs> Space Cadet will you know you get on the, the the rocket ship every night and go to Mars and come back for practice. Right. Uh, I, the presser would be amazing though. Namath will fly up from Florida. He'll let the number twelve come down from the rafters. Rogers will put it on. They'll be standing next to one another. I mean, you got to admit. It'd be the greatest damn Jets press conference in 50 years. Uh, yes, it would be. Now, I, I, I caution the Jets not to have the press conference before he signs because he <laughs> likes holding those kind of space cadet m- moments for everybody and then, you know, doesn't come in. I made that mistake with Reggie White. I let him have a press conference before he signed, and I knew he wasn't going to sign, but never again uh, until you got your name on a piece of paper, are you going to talk in front of a mic in our facility? Well, yesterday the the Packers GM there made his made his comments and didn't really wasn't warm and fuzzy about Aaron for the first time and said we've got to see. Do you take anything out of that, or do you still think he's going to be a Packer at the end of the day? Because it sounds like he's not, Pat. Well. I think we're all trying to figure it out, and it's way more exciting if he was leaving. If he's staying, it's a boring story. So let's let's keep moving him along and, and dreaming about him in 100 places. But to me, the financial ramifications for the Packers is not good. And that's a bullet I don't think they want to bite now. They might 
if he decides to stay, they're going to go to him and ask him to modify his contract, not reduce it, but restructure it. And now you, you might be tied up for money down the road that's even worse. If he says he wants to play, they have no choice. He's staying and playing. Well, here's what I think could happen. If he says I'm staying, remember, Favre came back. He unretired, and he just figured they'd give him his job back. And they said, well, if you're hell-bent on coming back, then I don't know what to tell you. You're number two. And for three days at practice, he was the backup quarterback. And we all know what happened after that. He got traded to the Jets. I mean, I'm wondering, does history really repeat itself? And do the Packers, if they really want him gone, and he decides to come back, do they go, well, I don't know what to tell you. You'll be running with the twos. Um, that's what they told Favre when they knew Rodgers was going to be good. They don't think the guy behind Rodgers is very good. Are you sure about that? Positive. Okay. <laughs> okay, because that's obviously a big fly in the ointment here. That, that, that screws up your equation. <laughs> Not good. Is Caution Wentz done? Yeah, or- he's going to wear a baseball hat for the next 10 years. Now, it was interesting conversation I had yesterday with a team that has some interest in him as a backup. And their logic was Gino. You know, what he needs to do is go disappear and rehab himself as a football player because he has skills and athleticism. And I said, you know, I can't fault you for thinking that way because none of us thought Gino was ever going to play again, except Gino. And this is where the difference is, in my opinion. Gino is mentally tough. And he never lost sight of who he was and believed in himself. I don't know about Wentz. I think Wentz is kind of rattled emotionally. So I think he's a backup for life. There's two situations that, to me, will show how the league feels about him. If Frank Reich and Carolina doesn't even think about bringing him in, then that's a tell because he did throw 27 TDs and seven interceptions for Frank Reich two years ago. I mean, he did not play badly. The owner ran him out of town because he didn't get the vaccine. I mean, that, I mean, so he He ran him out of town because he screwed up in Jacksonville. Well, but the whole team didn't play well. And he just scapegoated Wentz. The other situation, Pat, which is interesting, is somebody's going to have to quarterback eight, ten games in Arizona this year because Kyler Murray ain't going to be healthy. I mean, to me, it'll be interesting who it is they decide is going to be their placeholder till Thanksgiving. Yeah, maybe it's Mariota, and I'll tell you why. They can they can kind of build the same offense. You don't want to have a completely different offense and then when the kid comes back, you got to switch gears. You can run the offense. You actually can experiment on stuff with Mariota. He can run RPOs all day. And he's not a guy that's going to panic and go, I don't want to come here for eight games. <laughs> yes, you do. Otherwise, you're going home to Hawaii for good. Pat, that's you talked kind to, of guy. Pat, you talked to a bunch of GMs yesterday. What was the best lie you were told about the draft? <laughs> um, I think David's already identified that lie, and that lie was – Seattle's looking at quarterbacks. They're look, they are at five and twenty. And if you know Pete as I know him, he he he's got lots of draft compensation. He's got five picks in the top eighty-nine, I think. He's very interested in moving around this draft. Would he like to get one of those two phenomenal defensive players? Of course he would. Can he get him at five? No. Can he get him at four? Yeah. I think I think this the way this works out. Chicago convinced me yesterday that they are serious about moving down. 
but not very far. And I asked the GM, I said, if you like two players and you think they're going to take two quarterbacks, you can go to four. And he looked at it with a big smile on his face. Pat, and we've got 30 seconds. I think Chicago can trade down to two and then trade down again to four. Correct. Me too. They can hold the cards on two quarterback spots. He's Pat Kerwin. He's with NFL Radio's Moving the Chains. He is working all day and into the evening throughout the week at the Combine in Indianapolis. He's also part of CBS's NFL Today show. Pat joining us once again, courtesy of Pinchers. From Tampa to Key West and over a dozen locations in between Pinchers because you can't fake fresh. We'll ask Pat specifically some Bucks, Dolphins, and Jags questions on the other side. Miller and Moulton with Pat Kerwin, live from the Combine, here on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Our remaining moments with Pat Kerwin live from the Combine in Indianapolis. Yesterday was essentially media day where the teams, coaches, and general managers made the rounds. Today, you start to really get the players and the workouts and what have you. Pat Kerwin joining us once again from NFL Radio's Moving the Chains, and he does so courtesy of pinchers what's the most interesting thing a coach or a general manager said to you yesterday that you go wow i think he just told us the truth um well first off the gms are very excited about this draft which we were just having a conversation off air about and the reason and mark hit part of it and you hit the other part is a lot of the covid kids stayed in school and we're getting and the nfl loves experience was a lot of guys with 50 games of college football um, because they stayed. This guys had been in school six years, and they got the extra year, and they used it. So you're seeing a lot of guys that are groomed, if you will, and more NFL-ready. So there's lots of excitement in that area, and I think that's true. And, and the portal stuff is starting to really be an interesting phenomena of how many guys have been at multiple major schools Mostly the receiver group is chasing that around. But it's it's interesting to hear them say that. Now, what are they doing here? They're trying to figure out the GMs, really, how to balance free agent pool of talent with the draft pool. And I think they do a better job now than I've ever seen. Like they really have a sense of the quality in the free agent pool, and it directs them towards how they're going to see the draft. Pat, I'm curious with the number of players in the portal, and this is something David and I talk about on a regular basis covering college football, but how it relates to the NFL. Is this a positive or a negative? I could see where a GM would think, well, he's played in two systems in two years. He can pick up an offense. This is a positive. Or I can see the other side of it. He didn't stay with coaches. Maybe that lacks character. It's a negative. How are they viewing these players in the portal or is it all an individual by individual basis? I think it's individual, Mark, for number one. But number two, as soon as a guy's uh, in the portal and moving on, you, it does cause you to investigate the player at his former school to find out if what your suspicion was in a negative sense. He left because he's a problem child. He left because he's not coach. If you get that stuff, then that's going to affect your decision. But if he left to chase a quarterback that throws the ball, um, then, then you have no problem with it. Because these receivers know, let's use the kid at USC that was at Pitt. He might be the top receiver in the draft. I do think he's going to be the second receiver, but 
he's there with the, the quarterback that goes to the Steelers, and he's sitting there looking at a, maybe a freshman quarterback. So what's he do? He jumps and goes to USC um, with a coach that throws the ball and a quarterback that might be the number one pick next year. So I don't fault him for doing it. I mean, I feel bad for the pit staff, but, but I get why he does things like that and why a lot of players do it. It's going to be a different draft this year in that one or two wide receivers in the first round and probably no more than one running back, you know, although running backs haven't been going like they used to. But, Pat, you know, we've had wide receiver heavy drafts here lately. And in the first round anyway, Pat, it looks like we'll get no more than two. I agree with that. I think it's uh, – I said this to you before, off the air, a lot of these GMs like the third round. They think it's going to be nice and beefy with good players in it. And the price is right when you get to the third round. So, and it might be the bottom of the second as well, but they see the draft really having a lot of good players in that area. And I think receivers will be one of the positions as well as tight ends and running backs. I think you can get a good running back on day three. So it's fun to see how it's going to go. This will then be a really interesting draft because not a lot of wide receivers in the first round, but a lot of quarterbacks. So people always have interest with the quarterback side of it. But after that, it's going to be a lot of bulk in the first round, isn't it, Pat? Well, I think defensive linemen. I think they're ex- the quality players, I think, in the defensive tackle group and the defensive end slash pass rusher group. You'll see those guys go pretty early. Um, where else do I see a, a offensive tackles? I think there's four or five tackles that go in the first round. Um, and maybe at the bottom of the first, look, here's the other thing that came, I, who, who's one of the GMs said it to me. Maybe it was Nick Cesario. We, we were talking about the, I said, I no longer say on the air, you got to get in the bottom of the first round to get the fifth year option. I said, cause I know the truth now. You guys don't exercise that option. Go check it out. They're not exercising as much as we all thought they would. And so it might be a better spot to get out of the first round, give it to someone who wants it, but don't stay around to get the option year since you don't see them using it. All right, let's go in the state here. we got about four minutes remaining. So uh, the Bucks were making the rounds yesterday, head coach and general manager. And um, Leonard Fournette asked for his release. That'll save him $6.5 million. Uh, they obviously have to carry Brady's salary this year, and so that's going to be a big you know, nut to carry. But – I thought it was interesting. I didn't know if the coach and the GM were on the same page as to what they're doing at quarterback. I don't know that. I think the conversations here are still in the developmental stage. We don't know how good these guys are. We don't know if that five foot ten quarterback is really the guy. And so you're you're figuring that out here, and you're thinking about the free agent market, which they really can't get into with their cap issues. So they're here. Ultimately, I think they're going to be stuck with having to draft one now are they in a position to get one who knows if they're going to be able to do that probably not i don't think there's four quarterbacks in this draft i've been saying that to you guys for two weeks i'm not even sure there's three now because my rule is if you take them in the first round we all know you're going to have to play them i don't think there's anyone available to play right i think kyle trask is going to end up being your opening day starter Dolphins made some comments as well. They're not ready to decide on Tua's fifth year. Is that just posturing or they are? Because to me, it's like they've already decided they're not going to take that fifth year option. Do you think there's more to it? No, I think that his medical background is enough and it's not an insult to him. Look, the Giants didn't do it with Daniel Jones. So now they're negotiating a year early, but that that's okay. I, I think there's more at my point before. My, the, the more GMs 
not afraid to not put the option on these guys. They need to see more. They need to see him play a healthy year. And then they'd be perfectly willing to pay him $45 million a year. But why do why do it now? Why put yourself in an, uh, an option year number and then he breaks down again? I think, look, I say that, but most GMs chicken out at the end and put the tag on him. But on the quarterback position, I wouldn't do it, and I don't think they should. Well, and I'm going to ask you about that with the Giants. Do you think that they will have the guts? Remember, these two guys came from Buffalo. They blew up a team that went to the playoffs, okay? And they had no problems, had no hesitation in doing it. Now, they weren't the decision makers at the time, but they worked with the decision makers. Do you think the Giants could look Daniel Jones in the eye and go, Daniel, we love you. We are not paying you $40-plus million. Sorry. If you get it somewhere else, we wish you all the best. Do you think they have the guts to do that well i think they're just going to put the non-exclusive franchise tag on and then find out if someone would give them two ones that that's what i think is going to happen there now look he switched agents he's steadfast about it's 40 plus i'm not going to say it's 45 but i know it i know it got over 40 their request and you're just forcing them to put the the non-exclusive and say you know what all of a sudden two number ones might be okay Daniel Jones has one good year. Right. Two years ago, I had so many hate calls from Giant fans that wanted him out of here. And I like the guy. But I'll be perfectly happy to put the non-exclusive tag on him and go from there. Do you think he would survive the non-exclusive tag, Pat? Do you think someone, you know, New Orleans, Carolina, do you think someone would go out there and snag him? Nope. And I think that that tag is going to show the kid what the real market is for him. Because what's he going to do? What offer is he going to bring back to the Giants? $38 million? Glad. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you. You know, the, your real question is, do you think anyone's going to give him $45 million a year? My answer is no. Now, what team do I think is interesting we never talk about? Atlanta. They got a lot of money and they an do. owner that wants to spend every dime. He's Pat Kerwin. He's at the Combine all week. He's scheduled to join us once again Friday morning as well. He will talk to about 37 people between now and then. Pat's Make it 39 with you two. See you then. (laughs) NFL Radio's moving the chain. CBS's NFL Today show. Pat joining us courtesy of Pinchers. Tampa to Key West. Dozen locations in between Pinchers because you can't fake fresh. Miller and Moulton. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Scott Jackson, part of the Commander's Radio Network, has been a staple in the D.C. sports scene for a generation. He'll join us at the top of the hour. Daniel Snyder in the news for all the wrong reasons once again. Seth Everett, one hour from now. She'll be masked in our bonus hour as we talk the bubble. Who's in, who's out at this moment in time as the small conference tournaments have gotten underway this week. All the Florida schools, by the way, out of the ASUN tournament. Boom. One of the four didn't qualify, and the other three lost their first games. Boom, boom, boom. That's it. That's the negative part of the small conference tournaments. Because when it's done, David, it is over. 
It's over. And it really sucks, too, when it's over on February 27th or 28th. I mean, you know, in March, you know, you're probably, you know, most everybody loses their final game, but it's in March. I mean, just mentally, Mark, it's a bummer when your season ends in February. How'd your season go? Eh, it's a little disappointing. Really? Why? Well, it ended in February. Damn! That's a rough season. That is a rough season. Were you on probation? No. 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 But the tournament's early this year, so our conference tournament was early, and uh, we lost in the first round. It was in February. By the way, this will be an epic St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Second day of the tournament? Uh-huh. I mean, on a Friday? Exactly. Ooh, Nelly. That that could lead to trouble for a lot of folks. I think some establishments are going to do okay. I think that weekend's going to work out pretty well. Call me crazy. Call me nuts. So, Shelby Mast in about an hour and a half. We'll start going, you know, bubblicious. Who's in? Who's out? Who needs one more? Who needs two more? That sort of deal. Who can lose out and, you know, still still stay in? That's sometimes how you and I figured things out. We start going, okay. Uh, if they lose out, are they still in? You know, like when Rutgers earlier in the week won at Penn State, I'm like, okay, I think now Rutgers can lose out and they're still in. You know, it's that, close. That's kind of, it's really right. close for Rutgers. Exactly. That's that's how I do it. You know, when your your team's an eight, nine, or a ten seed, at what point can they lose out? You know, USC had a really good weekend. You know, I follow them because of Andy Enfield. Okay, and I'm wondering, I'm like, man, if USC loses to the two Arizona schools and they lose in the first round of the Pac-12, yeah, they're probably going to be out. They probably need one more win, and they're in. And I think there are a bunch of teams that are in that boat right now. That, yep. That 10-11 line is full, and it screams mediocrity. Johnny Mack asking the question in our Twitch chat room, so is Miami the only Florida team in the tournament? Well, right now you'd have to say FAU, but we think it would behoove FAU to win out in the regular season. We think if they can get to their conference tournament with no more losses, we think they're going to get an at-large even if they lose wherever they lose, if they lose in the conference tournament. It's really close, though. Mm-hmm. Because right like now, Shelby, nine, Shelby has them as a 10 seed. Right. So one more loss they can probably afford, but that loss is in the conference tournament, right? Otherwise, if they lose between now and the start of the conference tournament, they may have to win the conference tournament. So... You want to talk about something that uh, comments that were made over the weekend. Well, yeah. Uh, Deion Sanders in a podcast. Uh, right. Was talking about who he wants to recruit. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And, um, well, it was interesting to say the least. That, that That's that's an interesting word you chose there. Interesting. He talked about 
for quarterbacks, for instance. Mm-hmm. Now, quarterbacks are different, Sanders said. We want mother, father, dual parent. We want that kid to be a 3-5 and up because he has to be to spark. Not bad decisions off the field because he has to be a leader of men. When he talked about D lineman, he said D- defensive lineman is totally opposite. Single mama, trying to get it. He's on free lunch. I'm just talking about he's just trying to make it. He's just trying to rescue mama. Like, mommy barely made the flight, and I just want him to go get it. Are you are you getting at that maybe Dion can get away with saying that and other coaches can't? What would have happened if Dabo would have said that? <laughs> well, Dabo's untouchable at Clemson. I mean, let's let's really be honest. That yes, yes. So Dabo, so Dabo I, and I, Nick could have said that, and there's no yes, problem. Absolutely, I truly believe that, Mark. I truly believe that there is nothing that Dabo and Nick can say or do outside of a felony and probably against a minor that actually would cost them their jobs. Not even joking in any way, shape or form. Okay. But, but, you know, feel free to pick, um, like put it this way. You think Jim Harbaugh, I think he'd get some heat, but I don't think Jim Harbaugh would lose his job. If he said it. Now would Mac Brown at North Carolina, that to me would be interesting. Obviously, he's got some pedigree. He's one of the few active coaches. He's won a national championship. He's done a very good job there. Two different stints. He's beloved. But he also would be portrayed as an old white guy who deep down, okay, some people would throw the R word out there. Wow, I didn't realize he was racist. Now, I don't think Dion's comments are racist, okay, but you could certainly, you know, argue they're inappropriate. Now, I didn't hear the interview. Was he trying to be funny? Was Dion putting on a show? Dion's always putting on a show, but it didn't come off to me as being, he was being matter of fact. But basically, you know, there are things that Charles Barkley says, okay, that Ernie Johnson can't say. We all know that. That's just the real world. Deion Sanders can get away with that, and most people, unaware, even said it. Well, that's the other side of it, is that I'm wondering how many people are hearing this for the first time right now. This was said over the weekend. But, yes, for a quarterback, he wants a two-parent household, 3-5 GPA, all right, because they got to be a leader, smart, the whole deal. Defensive lineman, basically broken home, poverty. I want them foaming at the mouth, chasing meat. Is basically what he said. Yes. Just thought it was interesting. Very interesting <laughs> that <laughs> Dion could say it and it was dismissed right after he said it. Yes. Now, fortunately, he said it on a, a you know, somewhat obscure podcast. It, it was over the weekend. We all know there's a lot of sports going on on the weekend, this, that, and the other thing. And, but we also know that, you know, certain people can say certain things, either because of their status, sometimes because of the color of their skin. Okay. And it goes both ways, by the way. And there's no doubt, though, 
that Dion can say that it's a blip on the radar screen if it's even that. Okay. But there are other coaches. I mean, put it this way. How much heat, how much heat would Billy Napier be in if he said it? I think he'd be in a, quite a bit of heat. You think he'd lose his job? I don't. No, I don't think he'd lose his job, but I think at the first sign of trouble, it would be brought up again. It would hang over him. It would always be there. They would negative recruit against him because of it. That's all. I know the point he was making, though. I I mean, it's... I mean, first off, there are a lot of coaches, historically, that we could have seen saying something along those lines. Well, isn't there the famous speech that Bear Bryant gave where he talked about, he says, you know, he he didn't do it on... He he just said he wanted the C students. As you A students... Send them to Stanford, the Harvard of the West. You know, your B students, but I want those C students. There's a, there's an old Bear Bryant thing where he, I want those C students. I want those kids that, that quite frankly, aren't that smart. Well, or it's not their priority. Right? right. Right. I want them here to play football. Right. So, so yeah, that was Dion's theory. You know, asked him about recruiting. Well, quarterback, I want, you know. Mom and a dad, same household, 3-5, you know, leadership traits, the whole deal. Defensive lineman, I'd prefer mom working two jobs, okay, food stamps. And, uh, you know, kids so hungry just to get them out of poverty. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. That's oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Better you than me. They're prime. Better you than me. I mean, you could see him saying in a way in which it's funny also. I mean, you know, when Dion talks, Dion's very entertaining. Can be, And you and I are big fans, by the right. way, for the record. No, Somebody I'm not, a, I'm not an anti-Dion guy. I just no, found it. No, at all. I, look at We love Dion. And, and as uh, Gator Dads point out, he never mentioned there that I want a white quarterback or a black quarterback or right. I want a white defensive lineman or a black. He never did. Just talked about I want a smart quarterback and a dumb defensive lineman. That's all. Right. And if somebody would have implied race into what he said, which I do think some people will do and would have done, and would have done if it was a white coach who said it, by the way. Why? Because 70% of the players are black. So, therefore, they would have assumed, oh, you're talking about. And, by the way, what is the predominant colors of the skin of the quarterback? Now, it's changing, but. It's still predominantly white. Okay. And so that's where I think race would have been brought in by others. Even though, yes, he never talked about the color of anybody's skin. But he'll take the two he'll take the two he'll take the two point D lineman. He wants the three five quarterback. And he, just, he said the same thing about offensive linemen, that he wants smart offensive linemen. He went through all the different positions. Those were kind of just the highlights. But, again, Dion's world. And he can get away with a lot more than others because right. it wasn't even a blip on the radar. And I have to admit, when I read it, I kind of thought, well, I don't have a problem with it. 
But at the same time, when I saw the quote, I thought, well, it's a good thing Billy Napier or Mike Norvell didn't say it. Because at the very least, I mean, but it, in all honesty, couldn't you have seen Bobby Bowden saying something like that in with a, with his accent and in a funny way in which he goes, you know, well, dadgummit, okay, I have to admit, you know, when I look for my quarterback, you know, I like to go into the house, it's mom and it's dad, and they got the, you know, the meal, and we sit down, and, you know, kids all over the corner doing the schoolwork while I'm talking to the parents, okay, and blah, 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 you know. Oh, but then, you know, so-and-so, you know, I I could have seen it. And I, Bobby would have said it in a way in which we all would have laughed. Because you knew there wouldn't have been a mean bone in his body. I mean, come on. Bobby Bowden, please. There's a lot of things you could have said 20 and 30 years ago that you can't now as well. <laughs> that That's... The only yeah. point that needs to be made there. So, yes, no. could I see Bobby Bowden saying it? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'll never. <laughs> Janikowski was out all night. <laughs> he said, well, is he going to play in the game? Yes, he is. Well, why is that? Well, you know, it falls under our international rules. <laughs> and no one questioned him. The media we all have- just laughed and laughed and laughed and said, that's a I good one, Coach the, Bowden. I was holding the camera when he said, I, oh, my goodness. I, I was trying not to laugh so hard that the picture was bobbing up and down. I was laughing so hard. Man. Yep, times have changed. Not necessarily for the better either in some instances. One thing that never changes, Dan Snyder keeps getting himself in trouble. <laughs> Are we going to miss him when he sells the team? Not one bit. All right. Not one bit. Scott Jackson covers the Commanders. He's part of their radio network. He will join us coming up at the top of the hour. Seth Everett in about 40 minutes time. And Shelby Mast will join us in the bonus hour, available only in the 239 as we get into the brackets in full detail. We'll go to Washington next and find out, is this the end for Snyder this time? Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network.